recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. This is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. I didn't prepare a quote. I'm Anthony. I didn't prepare anything. I'm David. I'm Jim. And I'm still the old curmudgeon, Kurt Stale. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to issue number 27 of the Crimson Call Comic Club podcast. Each and every week we meet here at the store, located in West Bend, Wisconsin, to talk about comics. In the first portion of the show, we talk about uh, spoiler discussion on the club picks, and we jump into non-spoilers as we go around the table, talk about books that we've been reading, picking up, and enjoying, and then we may dip into some news. But first, we're going to start off with full spoilers on the brand new Justice League and No Justice number one of four. In this kickoff issue to the four-issue miniseries, after Brainiac systematically takes down all of Earth's super teams, the last thing the League expects is for him to ask for their help. Without their aid, his home planet and the universe are both doomed. So yes, this is the kickoff issue of... Uh, we just wrapped up 16 weeks in a row in Marvel uh, spoiler discussion with No Surrender, and now it's time for some No Justice but for uh, a fraction of that time, so... Yeah, it's only, only four weeks this time. <laughs> but uh, every week for four weeks. And uh, just like the book, we'll jump right into it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Not wasting any time. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what we've got here. Um, they, they do pretty much jump into it. Uh, you see um, pretty much every Green Lantern currently uh, that's active kind of joining together at the source wall, uh, which is broken, which I I love how they blame the Justice League for this. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter that they saved the multiverse. They cracked the source wall. So, yeah, how dare they? <laughs> uh, but that that's pretty much what, what happens. And you have... Uh, the other other Green Lanterns... And for turn, those who turn, don't know, turn, where turn. they broke the source wall was in our now famous metal series. <laughs> yeah. I was going to try not to mention that. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say where on the source wall was break one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got the coordinates. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're turning to Hal, you know, and they're like, you and your Justice League friends did this. You know, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, your friends. We're not that close. <laughs> there would have been bigger problems had they not done this. And that's that's okay. We'll just patch it up. You know, easier said than done. So you show them at the, the source wall. And yeah, I don't know where the source wall is located. Um, okay, we have to go back down to um, Multiversity. <laughs> well, supposedly from the description of Metal, the source wall is all around the multiverse. Right. Because the multiverse is in the middle of like a huge yeah, so it's, it's, ocean of verses. It's not uh, something that yeah. just goes on for infinity. There's, there's an edge. Yeah. It's kind of like the world is flat kind of thing, and if you go too far, you'll fall off the edge. Well, they described it as a fishbowl in... <laughs> and then past the speed force, and then to the... Um, so yeah, it's cracked, and all the Green Lanterns are getting together um, and trying to use their their rings 
to at least temporarily uh, keep keep you know whatever would come through this this crack from coming through. Um, you can stick in their finger in a dam. And then we switch over um, and, and we get a little bit more of this complicated panels where you get a little bit of uh, um, Suicide Squad, a little bit of Titans, and um, just... And the Teen the, Titans. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Teen Titans are in there too. And the Justice League. Um, and, and actually I'm trying to remember what they were all doing because it got a little confusing after this, but... Um, but but they're all doing something, and you see them all talking to each other. Um, well, each each individual group. Um, but through it all, you've got Amanda Waller, and she's she's talking about something that she's got going on here, and and says at the end of this to uh, do it, initiate protocol, and then the Roman numeral eleven, uh, and we find out that. Uh, I found myself a little confused there. Someone can help me out. I thought in the metal storyline, Waller was blown up by an atomic bomb. <laughs> a lot of people were up in metal, and then somehow they're not because comic books. I guess maybe, like, but I, I did, does anybody yeah, else? Yeah, because she was, was in like a like bunker. Steve Trevor yeah. was there. Too. Yeah, there's a bunker and they bombed. Yeah, and you had all these people there, and they 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 were all killed <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, then at the end of it, apparently everybody that was killed off didn't really die. Yeah, okay. got it. I, right, it's one of those stories. Or right. there was a mini series we missed, like there was know, Waller some, found number one. Or yeah, there was some tie-in that even Kurt's dad didn't read. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, that was the one. I missed list. it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the whole so, uh, protocol uh, 11. eleven. Yeah, which which as we get a little bit more of that explained, um, because Suicide Squad is like Task Force, Force X. X. But you find out, and they did the same thing in Marvel with Weapon X, where after years and years and years of it just being Weapon X, you find out that the X in Weapon X was actually a 10. Um, and then you had Weapon 11 and Weapon 12 and Weapon whatever they're on. Um, and then it turns out that Task Force X, again, is actually Task Force 10. And then this other protocol is, is some other group. And in this case, it turns out to be all the psychics that Amanda Waller has uh, abducted or put together, um, knowing her probably against their will. Maybe they have bombs in their heads or something. Well, they um, look like they're just strapped to computers. And yeah, that much right. <laughs> okay. Um, so you had all that stuff going on with the various Titans, Teen Titans, Suicide Squad groups together. And then you flip the page and then you get the Justice League group. And you can see what they're fighting, and what they're fighting is Brainiac. Um, Brainiac's attacking them and capturing them, and uh, um, and Superman comes in and attacks, and I won't let you take over this world. Um, so it's this big, you know, standard Brainiac's trying to take over the world type plot is what it looks like is going on with everybody fighting all of his various robots and stuff like that. And even Amanda Waller, you know, has to pinpoint which Brainiac is the the, the right Brainiac. Um, 
Brainiac shows Superman this image of everything going on with all of his robots and, and everything else attacking. Um, and you think that we're going to get the explanation because the, the, the plot even going into this, uh, some of what was put out there was that Brainiac would be involved in forming these different groups um, in this storyline. So my assumption with this is, okay, he's right away, he's going to show Superman what's going on, that there's some, some other evil that even Brainiac wants to stop. But you don't get that right away from the story, and you find out that that happens, but it's kind of off-panel. What he, what he ends up showing them initially is just, you know, what else is going on with all these other groups. Um, and you see that that's who the Titans and Suicide Squad and uh, Teen Titans were fighting were other versions of Brainiac. Um, and I like how they have some of the, the various Brainiacs from other things in there. Like they have the old, um, the robot yep, Brainiac that they did around the superpowers uh, era. Yep. Um, that that version. They have uh, the, the Superman animated series and Justice League animated series version of Brainiac. He's in there. So you get to see all these different very various uh, versions of Brainiac. Um, and uh, no, nobody seems to be able to win. Um, and then as you turn the page, when you think you're going to get the full explanation, you turn the page and you get a little funny thing here where you see that Brainiac has uh, basically captured uh, some of these different people from the different groups and they, they wake up together. And uh, Beast Boy was in the form of a bear, and he's still in there. And Harley Quinn wakes up, and she's like laying across from him. <laughs> a bear's gonna eat us all. <laughs> and as they're waking up, they're kind of mumbling, and Beast Boy's just blah blah blah. And Harley Quinn wakes up to fuzzy wuzzy wuzza. And. Rather than them just going and, and battling each other, which you would typically get in your, your team-up book, they, they go right to the, hey, wait a minute, we're all in the same boat here. We've got to work together. Um, this is only four issues. We don't have time to yeah, fight each other. Right, but... right. It would take a whole issue. <laughs> um, and, and I'm really surprised that they didn't you know milk this out for at least twice the amount of issues. <laughs> Maybe they heard the critique that things were dragging too long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want this to turn into another doomsday clock and have a have a, have a two-year long. But, um, so they're all working together. Um, as, as you go through it, then you've got uh, another group that are, all find themselves together. Um, you know, so that that first group was uh, Beast Boy, Harley Quinn, Starfire, Zatanna. I think it was just the four of them. Yep. And as they're leaving, then they meet another group, and that is uh, Doctor Fate, Robin, Martian Manhunter. Is that Raven? And I Raven? think that's Raven, Raven and, and then the Adam. the Adam. Okay. And one thing to note: you're already seeing as as all their as they're all waking up, is that uh, their costumes are all different. You know, they uh, they're uh, they they've been changed. They all have these. Uh, kind of round glowing circles on them and uh, stuff like that. And the, the lines that are in them are reminiscent of the Brainiac suit that he's currently wearing. Um, Speaking of. And then, you know, turn the page again, <laughs> and then there you have 
Brainiac. Uh, well, actually, right before you turn, you've got uh, Robin. <laughs> Damien's kind of like doing the, oh, my father, you know. Wouldn't put up <laughs> with this. Yeah, my father wouldn't put up with this. And you turn the page, and then you got Batman standing shoulder to shoulder, you know, with Brainiac. And he's like, calm down, Robin. <laughs> um, and so you got the other group that is... Uh, Cyborg, Flash, Batman, Brainiac, Wonder Woman, and Superman. And even Superman is now saying, hey, you know, calm down, listen to what Brainiac has to say, and the disbelief of some of the other people that even Superman would now be, wait, Superman's working with Brainiac? But then, of course, Wonder Woman's lasso uh, delivers the truth in that there. That, yes, he is here for their help. Right, and then we start to get the explanation, and right before we uh, kicked off the podcast here, Kurt's dad was uh, was explaining that he had a little bit of confusion, which was funny because earlier in the day I was talking to Anthony, and uh, I was saying I actually didn't find this confusing, not like you know the the metals stuff that was going on where from that first issue you're like, wait, am I missing something? What's going on here? This one I didn't find as as confusing, but once you you know Kurt's dad had had said you know he wasn't sure about these four uh, gigantic beings if they had been around before or they're brand new. Um, yeah, because in the story it sounds like everybody knows at least stories about these things, but I've never run across this in any of the comics I've read before. My oh, understanding. <laughs> My understanding, and this is actually based on various you know articles and interviews and things that I read uh, before reading this book, was that these beings are brand new. This is this new creation uh, that's um, made made for this story. Um, but yeah, even the characters they they don't react with any kind of surprise whatsoever. It's almost like they're familiar and they, they know. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that if somebody explained to me that, hey, there's these four cosmic beings that are these gigantic, all-powerful beings and they're coming to destroy me, I'd probably be a little shocked. But, <laughs> you know, this is comics and these guys face this. Well, they're thing. new for DC, but... Celestials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was getting that vibe. <laughs> And that's actually it. They have this... Uh, you should see a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Strange, Dr. Fate, Fate there's whichever. A Dr. They, they do have this very uh, Jack Kirby um, design look to them where you'd think that it's an updated look uh, based on something that, that Kirby had designed. And they had named these, they called them the Omega Titans... I don't think we the said Omega that. Omega Celestials. Yeah. <laughs> Which, actually, I, that's what I had in the back of my mind when uh, when you were saying that. But I was trying to remember what they were called, and I kept thinking, like, something... Celestials. Celestials. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and yes. A myth of four brothers, impossibly powerful cosmic gods, each embodying one of the fundamental energies of sentient life. Which are Wait, earth, 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 wind, air, and oh, no. earth, air, fire, and water. I would oh, thought, oh, but no, not no, here. No, no, no. <laughs> it's actually uh, entropy. Yes, entropy, wisdom, wonder, and mystery. Yes, they left out fortune and fame, and uh, um, 
Each believed their core energy to be the dominant power of intelligent life. To prove themselves right, they planted seeds of cosmic energy in world after world. At the end of the universe, the story said that they would return to the civilizations that grew over the eons, way which energy was supreme, and the winning brother would reabsorb that world. The dying universe is a garden to be eaten by its overseers. And doesn't that again sound a lot like the celestials who went around the cosmos, seeding life, returning later to judge it? You know, that's pretty, pretty close to <laughs> Definitely some connections there. I guess, I guess maybe they're right that there are only so many stories in the universe yeah. to tell. Well, because they so. even did the same thing. I mean, if you're new to comics, but you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, you've got Eon, who was a celestial, and what did yeah. he do? He went right. around Ego. Ego, ego, ego. Yeah. ego. Ego um, went around and planted seeds on all these different planets. And, and then yes. reabsorbed them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, just a, kind of a recycled Maybe type of plot. To, uh, kind of, uh, Sorry, I'm being negative here. Bye. <laughs> uh, 80s Sorry, people at DC. Well, they checked out the when we talked about Avengers for 16 um, weeks. <laughs> race went and seeded the galaxy with all the sentient races. <laughs> Yeah, and and I've known of other science fiction things that uh, were were based on kind of that same concept where humans were you know um, planted here. And I mean, I think there's people out there that have that theory that that's actually that where people came from is that aliens came and threw some seeds down on, on Earth, and here we are. And this is uh, is this where Brainiac starts talking about how their teams uh, maybe could be reconfigured to. Use their potential. Yeah, he 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 claims that the uh, the reason that he attacked rather than just coming to them and trying to explain all this is because they wouldn't listen because he's brainiac, and also because he wanted to show them that they would fail, but he knows how they they can succeed, or possibly succeed. He doesn't fully believe that they will, uh, but he thinks that they at least have a chance, if. They team up in his configurations, and he says that he has the the ultimate configurations for these teams, based on those those four, um, you know, the entropy, wisdom, wonder, and mystery. And Gar's pretty excited because he's on Batman's team. Yeah, <laughs> not now, Gar. <laughs> um, don't say there's all heroes. Yeah. I don't know that I'd say somebody mentioned We don't have enough people in each group, and Brainiac says, I've got a solution for yeah. that. Yeah, Bat <laughs> Batman notices yeah. that there's an odd number of groups. <laughs> it's not balanced. Yep, but uh, Brainiac's got that figured out. He's got a group consisting of Starro, Lobo, Lex Luthor, Sinestro, and Etrigan. And uh, Deathstroke. Deathstroke in there. <laughs> Um, yep, yeah, so he's brought some, some villains into the, uh, into the game here, too. Um, I shouldn't say game, because this isn't, this no. isn't to be confused with Avengers No Surrender. This <laughs> right. is Justice League, No and, Justice. And you shouldn't call them all villains, either, because Lobo and Etrigan, they're kind of on the fence. Right. <laughs> well, and even Lex Luthor. <laughs> and even Lex Luthor. Is noted yeah. that. You know, recently, they throughout the whole rebirth days, been, he's been portrayed... been villains at yeah. least once. <laughs> They've all been heroes for a while, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know about Starro. 
With one exception. So, um, you're back to Amanda Waller, and she's she's still discussing whatever plot she's got going on here. Well, her plot is to funnel all Brainiac's intellect through her psychics. Yeah, and then she says, <laughs> I, I've spent years playing catch-up. Dark universes, alien gods, time travel. It's time the United States government had a full understanding of the threats out there. So her idea is to use all these psychics to hack Brainiac, hack, as you put it. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and find out what he knows. A classic Brainiac. <laughs> yeah. And then um, she, she's got. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Uh, who who all Red these tornado. characters? No, it's uh, that's that was what I oh, thought that's at what first. I thought. And then and then I look closely and I'm like, wait oh a minute. no, it's not. Really. It's not. He's got Mr. Sinister's back star. there. Oh wait, that's not. Doctor Doom. Wait. No. Nope. Uh, yeah. Is that um, Hector Hammond? Like third one back. I honestly don't know. Yeah, actually, I believe that is. Um, and the and guy is right, this Connor? Connor Kent? No, actually, you know who that is? That is, I'm like, oh man, I cannot think of his name. Uh, back in the old Justice League days, um, how, what is his name? It's escaping me. Taskmaster is in there. Uh, no, that's Marvel again. Um, <laughs> oh. Psycho Pirate? Oh, what is his name? He was, he was involved in, uh. In the Justice League, Justice League International, and... Uh, Max Lord? Yes, Max Lord. Oh, that's oh, a thank you. Be. I could not for the life of me think of his name. Is that Peter Fascinelli? That, that's who oh, is... Is uh, this Despair? That's who is up there is he, in front. Is he DC? Uh, he's, he's DC, but that's not him either, unless that's... See, I don't I don't recognize a lot of these people. Saturn Girl? To the... All the way to the right? Could be. Well, anyway, there are a bunch of people we've seen on the pages. Oh, actually, actually, I do. I do recognize Double X. Yeah, from from the like Superboy comics, the the clones. He's one of the. He's off to the right, like third one back. From the Cadmus project, I recognize him. So yeah. Anyways, there's yeah. there's a bunch of uh, psychic ability people thrown together, uh, locked into chairs. They all look like they're strapped in against their will. Um, we could waste another twenty minutes trying to figure out who these <laughs> people <Matrix> style are. <laughs> um, Visual. So then we've got uh... <laughs> <laughs> kind of pale. That's what I thought that one was first. <laughs> um, so then we got uh, Brainiac's ship screaming through space. Um, <gasps> actually, normally he's got like this skull-shaped ship, and it's got the skull shape, but it looks it looks like it's running in terror. <laughs> um, okay, so then we've got uh, Martian Manhunter and Lex Luthor talking, and Luthor wants to know if he's read Brainiac's mind. Um, and he, he's, he says he did to the best of his ability, which apparently even they didn't even trust uh, the magic lasso to know if he was telling the truth. Um, and uh, obviously, Martian Manhunters tried to read Luther's mind as well because Luther says, "If you try to read my mind again, I will burn you alive." Um, good start in this team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of lot of uh, lot of good. 
close trust and, and things going on. Because then we see Sinestro going at it with Starfire. <laughs> I won't do it. I won't fight alongside a tyrant like Sinestro. Um, Sniveling child. <laughs> yeah, so a uh, lot, lot of fighting going on. Even Robin and Batman kind of, you know, you know, Father, you have to see this plan as a mistake. How could you ever consider following orders from any of any kind from Brainiac? You know, so they're they're questioning each other. No, you know, a lot of them don't want to follow along. Obviously, uh, the uh, the main Justice League characters um, must have. Must have got a lot more information because they seem a lot more ready to yeah, follow more Brainiac calm and, and cooperate. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know what was said because that was all off panel. Um, and then you got Starro, who's uh, okay. Which one of these guys can I control? <laughs> you know, while all this is going on, uh, and, oh, Lobo and Adam seem to be getting along. <laughs> yeah. um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Deathstroke starts moving. He's like. What the? The damn starfish is in my head. I can't control my... <laughs> Brainiac screams enough. And then they have arrived at Kolu. Is that how you pronounce his homeworld? Yeah. This is Bra yeah. Brainiac's homeworld. Because yeah. <clears throat> the whole thing is Brainiac's homeworld, and this is his involvement in it, his homeworld is like the first world that one of these things have arrived at, and they're going to destroy his world. Well, sure, get rid of the smart people first. But wisdom gets an early snack there. And, and <laughs> Brainiac doesn't seem like the type of person who would even necessarily care if his world got destroyed, but apparently he does. Uh, and it de depends on the version of Brainiac, because Brainiac's been everything from an alien to just a piece of technology. Um, the current DC continuity, you know, he's more like the, the, the alien, right. uh, a living being. Although, although shortly we see that he's not, um, <laughs> yeah, I do like the, the shot of all of them just kind of staring up there. I just love the way as we go back, you know, it's just a good, yes, as good panel of as Galactus's cousin is about to <laughs> devour Actually, it looks more world. like a the destroyer to me than Thor. Uh, again, uh, again, one, one, of those, one of those Kirby created characters. Um, Superman says, "My God," and Brainiac replies, "They are not gods, Kal-el. They are destroyers. They are destroyers. So there they are. They they're destroyers. <laughs> um, so they get their." Uh, this Possibly kind of, just in the nick of yeah. time. The next page is kind of cool. It's laid out where you have Brainiac kind of talking and thinking on one side and Waller on the other, who's trying to siphon off um, Brainiacs. So you get kind of this contrast page. That's right. And, kind of and well done artistically. Yeah. And, um, and they've got it laid out where between these two pages in this spread, you've got three circular panels all connected. Um, Kind of representing the uh, the three circles that Brainiac yeah. typically has on his head. Uh, of course, in this version, he's got more of them. Um, and as he's talking, she's got her psychics, you know, really, you know, barreling into his mind and trying to pull all of his secrets. And 
uh, he realizes they're they're in there, and his his speech gets uh, affected by it, and he realizes that something's wrong. They're in my mind, um, but he's fighting it, and he and Amanda Waller gets them to push harder and push harder um, until he can't even think. He starts getting you know. Errors and overload. Well, actually, I think that's on their end. That's on the their errors end. Errors and he and burns everything. out the psychics. And then <laughs> he passes. Look, Kirk. That's not really the sound effect oh. that I would imagine. A head exploding would make because because yeah. that's more of a like a <laughs> weird yeah. That's a yogurt eating brainy noise. like like if his like if it was organic brains like just. Squeezing out of his head, but here it's more like a computerized brain exploding. We're seeing Brainiac's head explode. So guess what? The man with the plan is gone. <laughs> and, and, and just before this, he's explaining to them that they need to listen. They have to follow his plan, plan exactly. to the letter. If they're if they diverge from his plan even slightly, it will fail. And then his brain explodes, and they have no idea what his plan really was other than they were to be split into groups and they only know which groups they are because um something with these glowing circles that they have um, did anybody see a difference between the glowing circles because i kept looking to see how to distinguish one from another they they, They all looked exactly the same classic brainiac triangle some some of them have now they have have multiple no they all have multiples on their their beings but some of them if you can kind of pick out the main ones um, one they have, woman has them on her knees. Some have one, some have two, some have three, some have four. Although all of them have more of those. Oh, okay. So it's the number. I got the impression it was there was something either in the color or the shape that was supposed to distinguish. But it's something them, but it must based be the number of them right. that you are wearing. Right. And, and it's a little bit easier <laughs> is to it see. The number or is it the pattern? Because they some of them have different discernible patterns. Like Wonder Woman has. The nodes on her knees, but not nothing apparently any place else. Right. Um, Superman has. Looks like she's got some on her bracelets. There. Yeah, she does okay. smaller ones. When you Just look at cover, main ones, like I took it as Superman was in the first group with right, one because he's got the one big one on his belt buckle. But he does have on his shoulders. He does have on his wrists. And there um, were some that had him like in a line from head to toe or head to belt or right. whatever. Cyborgs are more like three in a, in a row on the but line. Didn't chest, but he also has on his arms and stuff. Didn't so. seem to be anything that just, you know, at least as I looked at it, I go, because I wanted to see who was in the teams the, by the, looking at the Batman. The, the only reason that I even caught it was because Batman mentions it. In one panel, Batman very briefly mentions it. Yeah. The nodes. Um, before they get that fourth right. group, he, he notices that there's different you know, nodes that designate yeah. them but i couldn't figure out how the nodes designate <laughs> right because because none of them have just one two yeah. or three or whatever they all have other ones but it's i think it's somehow where they're laid out and even lobo lobo doesn't have any uh <laughs> that really stand out he's got the two on the eyes on his belt um so it's it, I don't know. I was okay, little, thanks. I just I, I was wondering if I was just the only stupid one in the room. And... Uh, <laughs> I didn't notice anything. Oh, so okay. one woman star on her tiara is one. Yeah, she's got a star, and then she's got her knee pads. I think she's got them on her bracelets too, little yeah. ones. 
Um, and that's the thing. Some of them have all these big ones, but then they, they all seem to be the same color. So there wasn't like this color distinction that was going on. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard. <laughs> you should have called it justice league nodes justice. <laughs> <laughs> no nodes. <laughs> That'll be my time here. Thank you everybody. I'm out. I'm out of here. So now that we've got all these questions, it's justice league. No, well, we only, have, we only have to wait another week. <laughs> That is good, yes. So, uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess okay. thought, thought, thoughts on this. I thought that um, it was decent. I didn't find this nearly as confusing as a couple of the other DC things that we yeah. went into. Um, one comparison was, was metals. I didn't find it nearly as no, confusing it's not as, as, as metals. And I don't mean to imply that at all. This, no, this is no. far above. <laughs> and, and and also, and I'm trying to think, what was the crossover with the Titans? And oh, um, we read uh, the um, the yeah. one Deathstroke story. Yeah, not the Judas. Yeah, that's a Judas. Judas is it okay. the Judas contract? Okay, because I try to remember which one was the original story and, and which was okay, but um, but that one that was four issues. And that the first two issues started off, they were really kind of slow and mm. not just very good. And then they picked up, and then the second two issues were good. It was easier to read, more enjoyable. Um, this one I didn't find started off like no, that. I, I, I thought it was pretty easy. If you were um, generally familiar with who these mm. characters are, um, you were able to go into it. It was kind of like just opening up a, a Justice League book. Or something like that, where it's starting and you're starting a new storyline. Yeah, and I agree. I like, I like the concept of these four teams. I think that's kind of neat to add in the villains. I think was neat. To me, it was just yeah, it was just the little details that seemed kind of okay. You know, the categories they picked. Who would have thought mystery, wonder, entropy? <laughs> You know that just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the and you know there's nothing very original about the the whole the whole thing the Omega whatever yeah the whole thing in some <laughs> ways Omega Titans yeah they're just kind of a rehash of what we've seen in a lot of books and that's not all bad I mean sometimes you do just re there is I suppose only so many stories but I was a little disappointed by some of the little technical stuff in it that you go. Huh. And while I liked that it was was fast paced, you jump right into something, and you know, and it it doesn't slow down and have this dull, boring moment. Like um, in Avengers: No Surrender, one of the things that we noted all the way through it is it it kept going. There wasn't a lull in the story. Um, in fact, the slowest it got was one of the later books where they 13, just kind yeah. of slowed down just a little bit mm -hmm. right before getting to the big right. climax. But you almost kind of needed to stop, yeah. take a breath, yeah, and whatever, right. and it so it fit. And even then, it wasn't boring. And yeah, it wasn't a boring story. It was. It just didn't have the it was a action. Very good character story, but not wasn't. Well, um, and the other piece that bothered me in this, just as a person who's read a lot of the other comics that have come before, Brainiac has been beaten by Superman alone, <laughs> by the Justice League any number of times, and now he can come along by himself and beat every superhero in the world. Well, <laughs> where, he's really up his game. 
Well, because he's a character much like Superman himself, you know, throughout the Golden and Silver, Silver Age, where his powers and abilities, everything, was dependent on what he needed to be for the story. Sorry. <laughs> they needed Brainiac to be very powerful to start off to show that you know they they needed that for the plot but then a bunch of psychics knock him out before. right <laughs> right so so you'd think that martian manhunter could have just taken him out <coughs> again and these are just things martian manhunter in wallace's team <laughs> i mean this the, these are just things that ran through my head as i Too read high profile and the first and actually i read through this twice the first time i read, read through you know the story was really nice and it, but then i read through it again because there were things that were kind of niggling at the back of my mind. And the more I read through it, it's like there's these continuity pieces that I'm just not <laughs> in tune with, you know. And yeah, and um, as far as the, the pacing of it and everything, while I enjoyed um, it being a little bit faster pacing, uh, I know this, this is only the first issue and we don't know what the next three are going to be like, but I already kind of get the sense that Maybe this is something that should have been a little bit longer and not... I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this is all being pushed into four issues, um, especially when we're going to have four different teams. And Were there going to be individual books for each of those teams? So I got the impression there was going to be like, no justice magic. No justice, or no justice. Because there is, yeah. um, like, was there a mystery one? That's, yeah. uh, when, when this is done, when uh, after there's no justice storyline... Then there will be, well, the Justice League is going to be restarting already in June. But in July, the Justice League um, Omega will be starting, which is going to be, it looks like, um, Cyborg leading a space-based team. And there will be Justice League Dark, which looks like it's going to yeah, be no, Wonder no, Woman no. leading a magic-based team. And Swamp Thing. And Swamp Thing. And Swamp Thing, yes. <laughs> Yes, I've already got Justice League Dark ordered. Yeah. I had to get that one. Yeah. If anybody from DC is listening, I just want to put this out there. You know, if you did like five different group, you know, team books that all had a Swamp Thing on them, mm -hmm. they would all sell. <laughs> At least one. At least a imagine how many, <laughs> Imagine how many more times I would buy it if it was Tom King or Brian Michael Bendis writing it. Just saying. Just saying. We're, just, we're just putting that up. Yes. Uh, but Swamp Thing on his variant cover on everything. <laughs> yeah, what, oh, i got to do the math and see when his anniversary is going to be because they'll probably have Swamp Month. And then... Well, you know what they need to do is Marvel and DC need to get together. There's been talk of a new crossover, and they have to do Swamp a Silver Surfer Swamp oh, Thing crossover. Oh, that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> we wouldn't see Anthony for weeks. He'd be rereading them over and... <laughs> I'd be speechless. But yeah, we'll we'll see how the next three issues of this go. Right now, I'm kind of going. You know, I I like that it's a little bit faster paced, but I'm afraid that it's going to be too fast. too rushed. You know, yes. mm -hmm. um, it, it, I just get this sense, and I'd be interested to hear what other people have. I'm finding myself reading Marvel more and more, and DC less and less because it seems like DC hasn't figured out what they're about and that's that's just my feeling when i read dc books now like guys just other than maybe action comics which they seem to have a, a handle on and have been you know even before 
<laughs> the move to a new writer. They seem to have that kind of book together, but the other ones all seem in flux. And <laughs> Yeah, they kind of took, um, they went, okay, New 52, what was our biggest failure? What was the thing that we screwed up the most? And a lot of people would answer Superman. So they fixed it, you know, for, and, and people argue that too. I know they didn't, you know, I don't like Superman now because you're always going to have people yep. that are like that. But uh, most people will say that, hey, they fixed Superman. They're doing Superman right. Um, and now, of course, with uh, Bendis taking over, it's exciting. But how it'll work out, I mean, that remains to be seen. But, you know, they kind of took something that was, was doing poorly and they fixed it and they did a really good job of it. But... A lot of the other stuff was kind of like, yeah, there were some things that needed to be fixed and some things that worked. And um, yeah, they kind of like, well, we're not quite sure what to do with all these other things. Yeah. And, um, they, and they seem to, uh, again, I'm interested whether other people perceive it, but it's like they take these radical turns suddenly that almost like we're in this pendulum swing of trying to get where we want to be. And for me as a reader, sometimes it's like, where are you going? <laughs> you know, and at the same time, Marvel, Marvel f sometimes feels the need to fix something that isn't necessarily broken. <laughs> um, rather than just making little adjustments and whatever, they'll like, oh, okay, well, there's this little bit of a problem here, so let's start over. <laughs> um, no, they just, over start, like, they just start renumbering. <laughs> but... And that's the thing is, um, even with the renumbering, they don't make these gigantic turns and where they're they're going. Not for the most part, um, and certainly not long term. Yeah, they might throw you know something at you like, hey, now Jane Foster is going to be Thor, and that's a that's a big thing. But that's not really any different than killing off Superman for a year or whatever and bringing him back. Those are kind of these fairly short term. Um, changes that you feel are going to be short-term even if it's a story that lasts a couple of years and, you feel that it's going to be short-term and, and jane foster has been a part of thor continuity all so even that's not that big uh you know shift this is a person we know who's been in the thor continuity has had contact with thor has a continuing growth in the story there's not just suddenly this <laughs> but with these turns that you're talking about with dc they're there are these sharp turns that are meant to be long-lasting changes, whether they, they work out or not. But that's the intention of them. They're not intended to be a short-term story. Let's, hey, you know, let's play with this for a while or whatever. It's, oh, let's, let's correct here and, you know, whatever. And this will be a long-term fix, even though sometimes it's kind of an odd thing for, for that character or for that title. Well, and, and they don't let you in. They make it sound like this has been going on forever. Things that just kind of pop out of nowhere. <laughs> and Well, even No Justice. Um, recently I've read that this is supposed to be some sort of big plan that, um, you know, you had uh, the stuff with the, the metal books and whatever, and now this, and there's something... Supposedly, this is all building to some big thing in 2019. 
and we don't know what that big thing's going to be. The end of the universe. <laughs> Justice no, Lee. It was just it was just put out that Jim Lee has stated, no, they are not rebooting DC again. This is that's not where they're going. We all know it's leading to Justice League. Yes, Justice. <laughs> or maybe Justice. <laughs> or, or if this was in the nineties again, they could be total justice. <laughs> Extreme, Extreme justice. justice. All right, enough of this. <laughs> Let's move back. This concludes. We're going to move to. Spoiler section. <laughs> yeah. Thank We're going to go to no spoilers. From no justice to no spoilers. <laughs> Welcome to the non spoiler section, in which we go around the table and talk about the books that we've been enjoying in a complete non spoiler fashion. That way, if you're curious at home, uh, hopefully we may sell you on the stuff that we enjoy. Uh, one thing I was very excited, uh, mostly based on the uh, writer, co-creator, we have Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin on Barrier. This is going to be, I think, a four or five issue uh, weekly series. Uh, they came out with issue one and two uh, all of la uh, for last week. This is something that apparently was once like an online, like it must have been free on the internet, like webcomic thing. I'm not that familiar with it. I saw it. I thought it was brand new. Um, it doesn't feel dated in anything. I could have just simply not known anything of its past history. All I know is that this story is now being uh, republished for Image Comics. And the first thing I noticed was the fact that the book was uh, a different way instead of being vertical we are uh, horizontal and the entire comic is oh, that way hmm. so the entire comic flips <laughs> in a horizontal fashion maybe that had something to do with it being online yeah you know, kind of the shape of most monitors if it was fit to do. that screen um after reading the first two issues and loving them i went in not knowing what it was like i said i was just sold on the creators i was trying to think of like what can i say about this book uh, and I even read the synopsis, and I'm like, all right, even the synopsis says too much. So I trimmed the synopsis <laughs> just because it's a nice tease. So this is all I'll say. It's an unconventional drama about violence, language, and illegal immigration, dot, dot, dot. Because there's some other stuff in there as well. So yeah, Which I, is why it doesn't seem dated. Exactly. It's very current. And uh, yeah, and that's something too. I think uh, they, they talked about like an online interview or something like that, that... Uh, the stuff that's being dealt with, you know, with it being a story that was done. I'm not sure when it was done. There is a, I don't know if that's just a train number, but it says 2002 all over this train. But um, don't know if this story would be that old or not. But anyways, uh, what was interesting, not only was I just kind of shook by the format and having to, A, it doesn't fit in a standard bag and board perfectly. Enough that it uh, it's fine with me and I don't need to get... But it does, you know, just kind of have, have a little, little extra, than... yeah, underneath and whatever. Um, but as I'm reading, since it takes place uh, like along the Mexican border, there's a lot of Spanish in this comic, and it's not translated. And at first, set, like I'm thinking, okay, it was going to be a panel or two, and that's you know, you'll get that normally for what normally is like an English-based, you know, comic book story. And realizing they keep kind of going back to it, but uh, it didn't at all really confuse me. I don't know uh, much Spanish myself, but in the back, Brian K. Vaughn had actually had mentioned that and said that it was purposely kind of done in that way that if you didn't know Spanish, that you wouldn't 
necessarily just be lost on what's going on. That's where the bonus of a comic book art would kind of help guide you through the story. So I thought that was kind of unique, just the whole, you know, the whole storytelling aspect of this. And like I said, I just kind of teased it with that. And there's a whole nother twist that I didn't expect. It's not at all visible uh, with the cover or anything like that. Um, but it really left me just being like, all right, I can't wait for issue two, which is perfect because it was in the next in the stack because they released issue one and two in the same week. So yeah, uh, it's all I really can say about that. It's a nice kind of like oversized format and good covers and just a it's fun a little nice miniseries. Thick, it looks yeah, yeah, it, it's it kind of thicker. thicker cover. So yeah, like I said, I can't really say much there. But if you're a Brian K. Vaughn fan, he is an excellent uh, storyteller and definitely knows how to pace stories. And this was definitely uh, represented here with uh, with the, the twist, if you will. So. So that's barrier number one, as well as number two. Okay, um, today I've got um, cluster bleep <laughs> spelled <Yes>. out <laughs> as cluster F at, at symbol, symbol hashtag K. <laughs> um, this cluster is from, or for older readers, it's a pound sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a, a trade paperback from Alterna, and it is not in their... Um, newsprint. It is a glossy, and it is also in digest size rather than full comic size. Um, it is a story of. It's a basically it's a buddy cops kind of story. Um, two private investigators who used to work for a agency that's kind of si similar to the Men in Black type agency who investigate paranormal things, and they've gone out on their own and. They are both at odds with the director of the agency and a criminal organization that seems to run the city. And it's a three-way face-off, what would you call a three-way face-off? <laughs> um, Is that the Mexican standoff? Mexican standoff. Sure, we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And yeah. they, they are dealing with a goat man who is the target of all three or both of the other agencies, and they're trying to deal with them and still get paid at the end. Um, really interesting story. Um, the, actually, the artwork actually drew, drew me in when I looked at it. I just saw it on the shelves and picked it up and was interested. Um, very brightly colored and even... You know, and obviously by the name of it, it's a, it's a kid-friendly book. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, I would not say, well, it, it is not, I would say, limited to 12 or 13 and up, but there's yeah. a little bit of violence in it, so yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I know when you grabbed it, uh, when you grabbed it off the rack, you kind of looked at it and go, oh, that's, that's a bit pricey for an Alterna book, which is true. It's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's a pricey book, no. but again, Alterna, we're used to the, uh, the newsprint. The, the low cost on it, whatever. This is more of a standard uh, pricing for, for a book like that. Especially for, yeah, fully colored, glossy yeah, it's, yeah. presentation. Yeah, I mean, what is that? Was that like it was a $14.99, so, you know, based on the size, well, in a digest format, it makes it a little smaller. Um, if this were a full comic size, I would say probably $19 for yeah. Yeah. the size of a book. So, so it's, a, it's, it's still a reasonably yeah. Yeah, priced book for what it is. And once again, proving just the, 
the wider uh, range of genres and age reading groups that Alterna offers. Because, you know, you kind of look at it and while it may seem like, you know, all ages for everything, but then you have those titles of, uh, you know, for the mature readers and stuff like that. And I don't know whether it's going to continue or not, but it does list it as volume one, so. Um, I, I recently spoke at this comic book symposium thing and uh, uh, it was actually the night of free comic book day so I had taken a selection of free comic books on there and of course we had a lot of the amazing age number zero that, that we had gotten from Alterna and I took a bunch of those down there and I mentioned Alterna and I kind of went and I looked at everybody and said Is anybody here familiar with Alterna? And nobody, not a single person that was at this thing had ever heard of Alterna Comics before, which um, I know that Alterna is not as well known as a lot of the other companies, but I was still shocked that nobody in this room knew what Alterna was. So I started talking about it and I had to, and I'm like, I assure you, I'm not getting any kind of kickbacks from Alterna Comics <laughs> from talking about it. Uh, I felt like, uh, I felt like an Alterna salesman. Uh, <laughs> but, um. But all I had there was that amazing age number zero, which isn't by by any means like a bad um, thing to, to be handing out. But at the same time, it got me thinking, wow, I really wish that I had a couple other alternative books mm -hmm. along with me so that uh, so that these people can see what Don't a wide range of things that they have. Because they really have some, some good stuff. And we'll say a lot of times, you know, we tell people, hey, you know, they've got a comic book for everything. And Alterna is the, or, or for everyone, Alterna is the same way. Right. Their their company, as small as, as it is, puts out um, enough of a wide range of, of uh, subject matter that even for them, there really is probably a comic for everybody. Good, good. Despicable Deadpool 300. <laughs> yes. This is the big transition before going to... Deadpool number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the final kind of in this continuity before we go to number one. Um, this is just a great way to end Deadpool. Yeah. Um, as people might know who've been reading Deadpool along that uh, he's been chased by everybody recently <laughs> trying to get rid of him. Um, villains now in this last um, book, he's preparing for the big fight against all the Marvel heroes who are coming to track him down, and he has a secret weapon. And in this, by the end of it, there's only one person who can take Deadpool down. And that's what you get to find out in this book. <laughs> yeah, this is... So it's like Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe... Well, Three. except he doesn't really. <laughs> they're billing it as like the Marvel Universe kills Deadpool because yeah, yeah, everyone. Okay. And uh, takes the whole. And, it, and if you get this, get the "Where Is Deadpool" cover. Yes, Can yes. You find Deadpool. <laughs> <on there? laughs> it's a beautiful wraparound cover. It's, an, it's like a triple sized issue that yeah. came out. They make a reference to like previously in our last nine ninety nine issue, <laughs> which this one I don't think was nine ninety nine, but yeah. it was. I had once talked about that. Me getting Deadpool and then all of a sudden just out of nowhere, it turns there out. There um, you know, within the last like year and a half or yeah. whatever that we've been in business, I think there's been about 
three. Yeah, there's a few surprising yeah. ones. So I like where all of a sudden it's nine ninety nine. Yep. Which really catches if if you weren't paying attention when you ordered it or or whatever, really caught some people off guard. That like all of a sudden they've got a ten dollar book because it wasn't yep. an anniversary. Well, actually, it says previously in our ten dollar book. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they're, they're very well aware of that um, leading up to this like this. Not only you know restarting back to number one with the new creative team, but uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, who has been writing this, he's the longest writer for Deadpool. Deadpool. Yep. Um, I had met him at C two E two recently as he's uh, doing the Infinity. He took over Guardians, doing Infinity Countdown, Infinity Wars, um, and Jerry Duggan basically just kind of goes out with a bang, and it definitely for the last five years, it's it's really been. Uh, and he talks about this. He has a letter in the yeah. back that, like, even though he doesn't want it to be known as the Jerry Duggan Deadpool, because there's many artists and colorists and editors and letters and everything. And he's built his his stories on all those who've gone before writing Deadpool. Yeah, but this, and because it's such a legacy run, you know, obviously it will be referred to because Daniel Way is another one that people say, like, oh, I love Daniel Way's Deadpool. Jerry Duggan's going to be one of those as well. But, uh, yeah, he definitely didn't hold anything back, yeah, and nope. they got to do everything they wanted, and it uh, changed his life, basically, and now he's branching off into other sections yeah. of the Marvel So universe. this is a quintessential Jerry Duggan Deadpool, so <laughs> yes, you don't yes. want to miss this. <laughs> that is true. Um, some other ones that uh, I enjoyed here is The Hunt for Wolverine, The Adamantium Agenda, number one. I assume you read this yes, as well. Yes, I did. It was really good. So yeah, we had uh, teased this with the last one. We were talking about, uh, as we see on the cover, is that the former New Avengers team, which is uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Spider-Man, as well as Wolverine, were a team that are, uh, we, we revisit... An old story, an old adventure of theirs, which bleeds into the current story that we've been talking about, how Wolverine's body has been missing. Um, it was broken out of the uh, his adamantium statue case, you know, uh, encasing, and he was uh, buried for his protection, but his body's gone missing, and Kitty Pryden and the X-Men have basically sent out a bunch of feelers into different spin-off books. We had talked about the Daredevil one um, last week, and we'll have two more that'll come out after this. But this is dealing with the former team coming together because on the black market there is a casino. There's going to be an auction for something very specific related to uh, possibly... DNA. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's what brings the team together. And uh, I... Tease this a couple times that when I this year I'm doing what I'm calling the anti awards in which I'm giving my own awards like an Eisner award to comic books for uh, like oh best miniseries best uh, one shot best cover best whatever and this immediately got a nomination for best last page. I was gonna say best shock ending. Yes. So, <laughs> so read it. Ooh. And you know I was obviously excited to go into it. And read it. I didn't read much of New Avengers back in the day at all. Um, so I really wasn't particular. Um, uh, I read most of the New Evan. Avengers. And I really loved them as a team. I think as a team, this was really great. 
team book. I yeah, and I, and I didn't go in even though I liked them all individually. So overall, I wasn't that attached to what was being told. But that last page is just like, okay, I'm all in yeah. for this. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so far this Hunt for Wolverine is uh, this big mega crossover spinoff event that seems like it's, you know, wanting to take all of our money. They're telling great stories. Yep. So, you know, can't that, complain. That's a bonus. I give them my money gladly. Exactly. <laughs> then the next one on the um, list. I brought this up. It's Rough Riders Ride or Die number four, mainly because this seems to be the final one mm. in the present um, sort of Rough Riders arc. arc overall arc. Not they come just, back with like different art story arcs and. Yeah, but always with the same team. But this book leads us to see that there's probably going to be another team um, historically after this. This it, it's, it ends kind of giving us the feel that we're going to get something like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which started in one period and then moved into another time period and another time period, that they may be doing the same sort of thing with Rough Riders. Um, so this is really the end of this particular group of people, which included... Um, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Annie Oakley, Thomas Edison, um, Jack Johnson, a boxer from that period, Harry Houdini, and Monk Eastman, who was a criminal slash spy from the, that period, who are um, linked together in this team. This is their last issue together as okay. a team. Um, and I would encourage people to go back. I think this has been a, I love stories that take historical characters and build new stories around them. And, um, I really love the Rough Riders, but it's also interesting. It looks like they, at least from the very end of the book, that they may go over into a new set. Um, and, uh, they give you a hint of who may be in that new team. It could be interesting to see that, but it, I would just encourage people to go back and look at the whole... There are, I think, four story arcs okay. um, in Rough Riders. And uh, I've just enjoyed it a lot. It's put out by Aftershock Comics. Excellent. Uh, another one I enjoyed is Exiles number 3. This is taking uh, Blink, who is leading a team. of uh, Basically, there is a, a time eater out there. Someone that's going through and uh, eating all these different multiverses and... Uh, Blink has now been uh, tasked once again to assemble all of these random heroes. And the one I was really excited for um, is that we see this alternate universe where Peggy Carter is Captain America. Yep. And it is a very uh, Haley Atwell-inspired drawing. We saw in last month's issue when we see the Thor Ragnarok uh, Valkyrie get thrown into the title which was played on screen by tessa thompson mm -hmm. so they're taking that version and you know that was in a different comic universe and then you have this what kind of looks like parappa the rappa wolverine that uh, playstation <laughs> video game and that's that's the thing that threw me off because you see this this is a title that seems like a very serious yeah. you know type of gorgeous comic. realistic art right and then you've got this very <laughs> cartoony little baby Wolverine yeah. thrown into it. So, so you get like that. Heart. Haley Atwell, Peggy Carter, Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie, and 
Baby Hugh Jackman. Marvel superhero squad. (laughs) That's that's basically it. And uh, other members, uh, we have a future Kamala Khan, who is a little more grizzled and beat up. And then uh, I think the son of Kang. I can't think of... uh, He's the one that I'm not that familiar with. uh, Iron Lad. Iron Lad, yeah. Okay, yep. He was in uh, Young Avengers. Okay. So what's been going on in these last couple issues, each issue is dealing with... We're picking up somebody new to the team. So while you saw all of these team members on the cover of the first issue, um, you weren't getting those characters all in there. We're just taking one month at a time as we're collecting everybody. We're dipping into like several universes per issue and just seeing all of these different worlds and all these random characters that have nothing to do with each other. They're just kind of being survivors of their worlds being eaten. So now they're just kind of thrown together. And it's uh, and it's funny to have this uh you know, the Marvel superhero squad, Wolverine, whatever universe he comes from, whatever world he comes from, it is fun to see him thrown in there because he does act like a, he's a very innocent Wolverine child in a way of just, he doesn't understand like what enemies are and like what evil is and stuff like that. So when they're coming across, I'll tease this, um, these uh, evil dinosaurs are, are the villains in this issue here. There's just a lot of crazy stuff, and that's what makes this comic unpredictable and fun. The art, it just seems like every world is drawn by somebody different, but it's the same artist, uh, Javier Rodriguez, all the way through. So this is just a great multiverse road trip. It's Marvel's Convergence. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, when when I knew like that the, I was already in, but once I saw the Haley Atwell stuff, inspired Captain America design. I'm like, all right, I'm all in for that. And then, speaking of Wolverine, we went from the baby Wolverine to the oldest Wolverine. (laughs) Uh, The old man Logan title. um, What's been going on here, he's been dealing with, uh, you know, he's out of his own time. He's in the current present when Wolverine was dead. Now he's dead but missing. But the old man Logan version has uh, has been losing his healing power, and what's been going on is that he was gifted this uh, Regenix drug that was uh, the Silver Samurai in the last arc had uh, created, and he was going to use it for bad. And Wolverine had stopped him, and to save Wolverine's life, um, uh, I believe it was Mariko or Mariko, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, she had injected Logan to save his life with his regenics, which helps him kind of heal a little faster, but he's still having problem with it. He's, and especially with the other Wolverine probably coming back, it just feels like, you know, this book is nearing its end and that's probably the direction it's going. But the fun direction for this new story arc is him returning to the mansion in Central Park. He had left the X-Men team, uh, sometime last year to kind of go off on his own adventures and uh he he comes to uh to talk to dr reyes who is going to kind of inspect and figure out what his problem is with his healing factor and the fact that like he's had a scar over his eye for the last like couple issues and it's not healing you know something that normally is healed in seconds it's taking weeks or months you know and uh the one fun surprise, and this will open up a question to anybody if they're familiar, but there, this issue seems to focus a lot on Shark Girl. 
Shark Girl is this mutant that's living there, a younger hero that I wasn't familiar with unless she was just in the background of books that I'm just not remembering. But we had a little discussion about Shark Girl uh, this afternoon. Your new favorite superhero? Pretty much. Uh, she's just this... Move over, Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, that seems like a good team-up, Silver Surfer and Shark, Shark Girl. Yeah, yeah, Silver Shark Girl, Silver <laughs> Surfer, Shark Shark Surfer. But yeah, uh, she's just kind of hanging out in the quad, if you will. Um, I think she has been in the background of a few of the um, oh X Men, <laughs> the X Men Gold um, episode or okay. comics, because I think when they show the young people yeah. at, the, um, at the academy, there, I think she's. Yeah, so she must have been a background character for the most part, but this story really kind of brought her to the forefront as they're all dealing with uh, their other young X-Men friend, Glob, who is the skeleton covered in gelatin, if you will, um, who is uh, signed up for a mutant mingle dating app. And <laughs> that leads to a part of the story that it's weird to say, but it's probably going to hook... Logan, who's trying to put the school behind him, he says a line in here of saying that he wants to, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of new X-Men, he, he's old, he's not really part of this anymore, uh, but this current news story is probably going, because Wolverine's always been attached to helping, like being that older teacher, like mm-hmm. whether it be Kitty Pride, Jubilee, always having that connection with the younger X-Men, and even now with this new generation of X-Men, and this, it was a fun issue, and I'm excited to see uh, more. What's the coming? I want the app. Yeah, yeah, mutant mingle. It's uh, there. There's there's a lot of good stuff in there, and uh, a lot of good. What's cra- This feels like two different books. The all in the same story, where you have Logan's story, and then you have the young mutant stories. And I was starting to think, I'm like, I forgot that I was reading an old man Logan book. Because it was very much the B plot was following these younger X Men, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, I'm afraid I have to slip off. Okay. Enjoy the rest of the previews, everyone. Okay, we'll do. Thank you. <laughs> have we'll a good week. we'll yep. see you next week for week two of Justice League No Justice. Oh, there's no justice in that. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll conclude the non-spoiler section. And now, the news. Alright, welcome to the news section. We're just going to cover part two of our previews catalog. We covered Marvel and DC last week. Previews, uh, people can uh, check out stuff, uh, whether it's comics or trade collections or merchandise or apparel. Things that are offered on a pre-order status in which you can reserve it, have it set aside for you. And uh, what will happen is that uh, you don't have to fear for it to sell out when you uh, come to the Crimson Call because you can set aside a special pre-order. And it also kind of shows, uh, especially for comics, it shows the support for uh, the books, the creators, the titles, the publishers when they see those pre-order numbers come in. So we're going to jump into the giant previews catalog, which covers all the independent stuff as well as merchandise. Now, I didn't have anything like new number ones in your Dark Horse, your IDW, your Image, your Aftershock, um, Alterna, there's Dynamite. 
all of those have new issues. There wasn't anything I was specifically want to highlight until we get to Archie. But did you have anything, yes. Jim? Uh, in Image, uh, there is a new book coming out in July called Unnatural. This is actually a redo of a, I believe it was Italian. I'm trying to find the page right now. Okay. Um, an Italian comic. It's just being redone in English. Uh, just re relettered in English. Right okay. Now. And here it is, um, page 43. Um, the people are mixes of animal and human. Is that like the anthropomorphic? Is that the right term? Uh, I, think, I, I, I would think, think it's actually more of a blend rather than anthropomorphic. Okay. So, you know, it's, there's a pig girl. It's, it looks like basically a human female with pig ears and a pigtail. All right. Um, but it has to do with, I believe it's a 12-issue series, and it has to do with um, acceptance and, um, you know, found, you know, people accepting one another. You know, it's the theme of the book. So I thought that looks interesting. And the other one um, that I'm picking is Rat Queen Special Neon Static. Um, as a Rat Queen fan and follower, um, this one... Is a one shot where it takes the rat queens out of their traditional um, classic, you know, fantasy, high fantasy, okay. um, dungeon crawl type stories, and puts them into a um, punk, you know, alternate punk setting. You know, it's not a steampunk, but uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, it's definitely now that I'm looking at it, it's definitely not the yeah, yeah the it's, fantasy it's not, thing. It's not a high fantasy setting, yeah. You know, okay, it, this is a one issue one shot, so you know, it's just something oh, cool. I'm looking forward to as well from Image Comics. And that's something that uh, is this the first kind of one shot that they've done? Uh, they did one um, a little a few months ago, um, and it was following one of their minor characters. It was a one shot. I think they just took a break between story okay, arcs. Yeah. But it was in the same setting. It just followed one of their minor characters called Orc Dave. And okay. So yeah, was... yeah. Yeah, good. Um, anything else in the other um, publishers? From Image, that's all I had picked. I did have a pick from Alterna. All right. Called Eden. Let's see here. It's on page 250. Okay. And Uh, Eden number one. Yeah, there you go. And this is a sci-fi post-apocalyptic setting. Aliens have conquered the world, and the heroes are have to rescue. Yeah, and that because uh, they also have, however you pronounce the one right above it. So they have two two number one series there to jump onto. Is that what just Psycho Co? Psych is it KO or Co or Psycho? Psycho KO. <laughs> That's um, how I would see it. Yeah, but they have, uh, yeah, so while there are a lot of like number ones across the different publishers, yeah, Alterna Comics, which has the, is under the $1.50 line too, and mm -hmm. uh, and I see, yeah, one in four issue limited for the uh, Eden, and one in three for the Psycho KO. Psycho is a serialization of a one that's been out as a trade paperback. Ah, okay. Cool, cool, cool. And then, um, 
I decided to pass because my list was getting too long, but... <laughs> that happens often. Yes, there was a uh, Zoros title that looked interesting. Yeah. Um, and Is that Dynamite, probably? I don't believe so. It was past Dynamite. It was, mm -hmm. it, it I can was, always take order, out the... Where's the order form? There we go. That is from American Mythology Comics. Oh, okay. Um, and it's... Uh, Set in the classic, you know, early Mexican California days of Los Angeles, but it gives it a supernatural, natural feel with demons and Zoro taking care of that. Okay. Um, and I had one other title that I was looking at. Well, while you queue it up, I'll jump to uh, my pick for Archie meets Batman '66. <laughs> On uh, page 271, now I'm yeah, all in. Indeed, looked at that one myself. Yeah, uh, so two iconic comic book characters meet up for the first time in this historic crossover miniseries. A battle in Gotham City extends its reach into Riverdale, with Mr. Lodge becoming enemy number one of the dynamic duo. Now it's up to Veronica to recruit some help and place a call to... The Batcave. <laughs> so that was a little Adam West there. Um, this is one of those titles that I'm excited for both of them. Like, I'm already in the bag for Archie, in the bag for uh, Batman 66 storytelling. And one, two, three, four, five. There are six different covers. I think I have four of them pre-ordered. Wow. Because they have, well, my buddy uh, Francesco Francavilla is one of my favorite artists. Uh, they just have so many awesome different covers like to celebrate this kind of thing we have one uh one that's really great is adam west batman dressed up and archie is dressed up as robin next to him with the bat signal up in the sky then there's another classic archie one with kind of having like a drag race where it looks like veronica is ready to like to wave the flag when you have uh you know archie and looks like jughead uh in one of the cars against the batmobile and like these are just the kind of crossovers that are so silly and they live up to that like there's no holding back they they embrace exactly the craziness that they're selling there on the page and it's just like some people may be like oh why is this is stupid why does this exist and it's just like it exists because it's fun and i cannot wait for this uh upcoming miniseries yeah that's what if it was a one shot i would have been definitely <laughs> yeah in. since it is a mini i was gonna pass on yeah so yeah, well, I'll be bringing that one to the table for sure, so maybe I can uh, turn some minds over. Um, and then they are doing uh, Betty and Veronica Friends Forever Travel Tales number one, in which they're kind of doing this, they did it Friends Forever as well, where they take classic Archie art and they're doing modern storytelling with it. So if you're not into uh, the style that they're doing with their kind of uh, reimagining modernization of the Archie comics, you can... Uh, get the old art with new stories. So that's always a cool thing that they're doing. So many different things over at Archie. Okay, the other one I'm looking at right now for July is from Xenoscope, and it is Paradise Court. And this is a one of five, and it is not part of the Xenoscope um, universe, apparently. It okay. is uh, a mystery horror story. Um, that takes place in the Midwest, and the uh, young couple shows up at this 
idyllic gated community. Not long after they arrive, they find out that a girl has gone missing and that something sinister may be lurking behind the mansions and well-manicured lawns of Paradise Court. It's a cool cover there. I like yes. that first one there. It is uh, the gate of the community with wrought iron gate with the name spelled out in it and a character hanging, apparently bloody, with a sack over its head, hanging spread-eagled on the gate itself. All right. Well, any... Those are my picks for the month, in addition to what we picked from Marvel and DC. All right, cool. And if anyone else wants to look through the catalogs, they're always available at the store. Just kick back and relax on the couch and... Uh, page through the books as uh, well as going on to the Facebook page because I'll also highlight a Marvel week, a DC week, and then do an independent week as well. And I know like in the merchandise section, uh, there's always lots of stuff and uh, the things that I have for the month of July, uh, there's a Guillermo del Toro pop figure coming out. They've been doing these uh, director pop figures. Oh. Uh, there's very few of them. It's on page 53 of... Uh, of the back of the catalog, which is a flip side, upside down, reverse side of the catalog. Um, but the fact that Guillermo del Toro, you know, director of the Hellboy movies, recently Shape of Water, uh, the first, uh, what's the big robot one that, uh, that pan, uh, Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim, he did the first one of that one. He's got the uh, Pan's Labyrinth, you know, awesome director. He's getting popified. There's a lot more uh, Game of Thrones ones, a couple Daenerys ones that I'm excited. I'm going to scoop those up. One that I'm very excited is long overdue for the pop, uh, uh, the pop treatment is Weird Al Yankovic. So on page fifty nine, Weird Al is getting what I am assuming is going to be one of many pops because with all of his different outfit changes for his iconic looks and parodies and stuff, I could see them doing so many different pops in the future. So uh, that and then there's a Thanos uh, pint glass uh, that I'm gonna pick up. As well as, finally, I've been waiting for this since they showed the preview for uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. They have those crystal foxes are now being in a pop figure as well that you see on Crate. All of those are like crystallized foxes. So they're uh, bringing that out in a pop figure as well. So those are just some of the merchandise choices. There's 500 pages of comics and merchandise and apparel. So you'll do yourself a, a good pleasure to come in and uh, flip through and... Uh, See what's the offer, because not everything can be ordered on the shelf, but it can be ordered if uh, if you want to place an order. There will be some restrictions on some statues, where like or like cases of figures where you're like oh they have to buy a case of six or something. So there are some limitations, but for the most part, uh, it's a lot of things that are available for individual order. And if you have a little money to drop, you can get one of everything from the catalog. Yeah, yeah. For $75,865.48. Do they always put the totals in there? Yes. I've never known that. Wow. Okay. Well, save your pennies because uh, every single month you can spend $75,000 on a comic book shop. And we hope that it's at Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles. Um, so, yeah, that will wrap it up for all the previous catalogs. Uh, uh, any... If you have any questions, just ask for details, whether it's in the store or on Facebook. And while some of our uh, club members had to leave early or attend to uh, store customers, this whole time I've been Anthony. And I've been Jim. To be continued. Thanks for listening. 
The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Martin Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.